0: Who's ready to talk about a show where the creator clearly holds his audience in at least a little bit of contempt? No, I'm not talking about this podcast. We're talking about Atlanta season three. We're back on the Insatiable Content Podcast to discuss what has to be one of the most directly confrontational and challenging shows ever aired on mainstream TV. Joining me in this conversation is none other than my good friend, Atlanta aficionado, and returning guest of the pod, Eric, don't you bring that Sinterklaas shit around him, Sherry. Welcome, Eric.
1: Hey, Vincent, thanks for having me again. Appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. And, um, you know, since you've last been on, we've indoctrinated a new uh, tradition here where we open up with a segment called Favorite or Garbage, where you get to tell me about a take of mine that is trash. Um, We've had two straight weeks of people telling me, uh, including Kate, who uh, that I am completely wrong to be combining so many cereals together. So um, would love to know, you know, what what opinion of mine you think I need to throw in the garbage.
1: Yeah, no, I love this idea. And I think like you, I'm uh, on a spectrum of either, like very binary, either like things or I hate them. Um, (laughs) I'm going to go with all of your takes on Ozarks. Really? Um, Yeah, I just, it's not a show um, that I have really... I don't think there's anything there. I mean, there's some really good acting, I'll give you give you that. But other than that, I, I just can't understand why we're watching it. There's it's just yeah, no, it's just not a good show.
0: I'm struggling through the last few episodes and I will also say that the characters are just um there's absolutely no character growth and then also there just there's so many things that are just utterly preposterous about it. But I will continue to hold that I think, to me, the reason I get something out of it is that the two main characters are utterly caught up in self-delusions and just completely lie to themselves. And I think that's a thing that I see very commonly just in people in general. So to me, that is part of the reason I enjoy it. It's like this is what happens when people are completely untethered from reality. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. But you also also hate Better Call Saul and, uh, you know— I, I, I love that show.
1: Wait, no, I don't. Um, I actually haven't seen Better Call Saul. I don't <laughs> like uh, Breaking Bad.
0: I know. I know. Um, okay. Well, let's talk about a show you and I both have. I think a lot of feelings and thoughts about. Um, and before we get into this, I want to acknowledge that I'm a white guy talking about a show made by a very famous black artist about black characters um, and that really centers around the white racism of not just America, but the world, at least in this season. So I completely recognized how compromised and privileged my position is in talking about this. But I also think the season of Atlanta was specifically targeted at its white audience um, in many ways. And the success of this show in previous seasons, I think, has helped allow Glover, Donald Glover, who's the show's creator, to do truly whatever he wanted this season. And he decided to directly go at, um, I think, white people and his white audience. So I don't think my perspective is completely irrelevant, but I am definitely, like, entering into this with a lot of humility um and i also think there's a lot about this show and what presents to us about being black in america and abroad that i just could never understand so i just wanted to say that all at the beginning um but i also just think this show is so unexpected so mesmerizing that i just uh, you know i've watched it now for three seasons and just uh, one of the very few shows where i'll go back and watch multiple the same episode multiple times so i'm really excited we get to talk about it um, and you can let me know if i ever steer things off course
1: yeah no, i think that's some great framing to, to start it off and yeah i too am really drawn to this show because of its ability to confront race in America and, and, um, yeah, excited to dig into this with you.
0: All right, so let's just set, let me just set this up with a bit of background here. So, for those of you who have somehow been living under a rock, a quick recap here. Atlanta is the brainchild of Donald Glover and his brother Stephen Glover. Um, It it shows on FX, but now it's on Hulu, and I think it's pretty easy to find. It follows Donald Glover's character on the show named Earn, um, short for Ernest, but also there's I think a lot of lot of symbolism there in that name as he attempts to help his friend Paperboy, played by Brian Tyree Henry, um, start his fledgling rap career. Um, Well, that is how the show started, at least. But now season three begins after a lengthy time jump from season two, which was both Um, I think part of predicated on COVID and also just sort of uh, I think sort of helps the show where we quickly realize Paperboy has become immensely successful so successful that we're following him and Earn on a European tour Um, and their best friend Darius played by my favorite working actor Lakeith Stanfield and Van Earn's on again off again girlfriend played by the stunning Zazie Beetz joins us they both join us for episodes throughout the season. Um, So previous to the season I would say if you would agree with me Eric that like these four characters were really central to the plot by plot episodes and just the show in general and we don't get them in the same way in this uh, season and so I don't I had grown to love them in a way that I feel and just wanted to see want to see them on the screen in a way that I have very suddenly ever felt about other TV characters. And when they were gone for this long hiatus, I, I actively miss them, especially Darius. Um, but then I think Donald Glover sort of knows that and just sort of gives us the middle finger a lot in this season uh, in that we get a lot of one-off um episodic or, or like individual episodes that don't really deal with those characters at all. Um so I guess let's start with the big question. What did you think overall of the season and did you did you like it or is that even a uh, like a reasonable question for what this season like included and did?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I did like it. I I I I'm with you on, is that even a good question to ask? The, the show gave me chills constantly. Yep. Um, and at this point, like that's the sort of TV that I'm really drawn to. Yep. Um, I, I, I think that this season just in general, elevated it from, okay, I'm watching good TV, which should be the standard, to this is some thought-provoking art just on TV, like through the medium of TV.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can I completely agree. And I would say this show comes up with stuff in a way that stuff that I have never seen before in any medium, more so than any other any other act of creation out there right now. Um I would argue. Um and before on previous seasons, like I think about that Michael Jackson episode all the time. It's one of my favorite TV episodes of all time I, from the second season. Um But the creativity and just provocativeness of this show is just unparalleled, I'd argue.
1: Yeah, uh, Woods from from season two, I think the episode that you're talking about, um, is the the thing I remember about season two more than any of the other episodes, and really more than than even season one, um, and I think, like, gives us a glimpse into what season three could be. I mean, it is this sort of shift to an almost horror yeah. kind of look at, at race in America and um, just really, really fascinating. And yeah, he, he pushed the envelope with this season and the one-off episodes are the ones... I mean, there are a couple of, um, of the sort of mainstream episodes that I also really like and and think that they, they have a lot of social commentary. Every episode does. Um, but the one-off episodes you're waiting for one of the main characters to step in. Yep. And it's, they're all in Europe. These episodes are happening in hopefully the same sort of universe, but they're happening in America. Unclear whether, you know, it's reality or not, but, um, but yeah, they're, they're just really thought provoking and shocking and, and push the audience to, to reflect on, some things that I don't think we normally want to reflect on on your day to day.
0: Exactly, especially for white people. Um, and so I think I think it's worth breaking down each episode individually because they're so. I think both the season is somewhat uneven, and also because so many of the episodes are self-contained and, and don't carry a narrative other than maybe thematically from episode to episode that I think it's worth talking about a reaction to each of them. I think we just do this sort of rapid fire so that, you know, the, the whole point of, one of the points of this podcast is to go through this stuff not in a, so we're spending like, uh, it's not an hour and a half podcast. Um, but I think But I think it's worth talking about. So the first episode was called Three Slaps. I thought this was an incredible episode. It shows a type of White racism that's seldom discussed, at least among white people, I'd argue, and that's that how racist do-gooder liberals are, um, especially in a patronizing variety where they are coming in with the savior complex. Um, It centers around; uh, it's based on a real life story in which a white family adopted a number of uh, children of color and then, in real life, killed them all um, and killed themselves. In this. The central kid, who's the character, uh, who's the main character in this episode, um, somehow escapes. He escapes at, at near the end. Um, but there are just so many things in this about cultural appropriation, and like little and little things about the way, like you I, like the way white people undermine the culture, uh, other people's cultures, while also consuming it and um, you know literally devouring it. There's just a very great scene in this with that I will never forget with the two white um, women who take in uh, the young black boy, uh, uh, adopt him or take him in where they uh, are making fried chicken and it seems like they're making it in the microwave and it looks utterly disgusting and he keeps complaining about how it's tasteless and they just penalize him for that. So yeah, what were your, I, I love this episode. Um, what did you think of it?
1: I, too, love this episode. Um, I think the idea, and, and you see this in several of the episodes um, this season, is that sort of the idea that black behavior needs to be controlled. Yes. And this episode in particular, focusing on, like, what are the structural sort of policies that allow this, whether it is a school counselor or the foster parents and their CPS um, connection that allows them to, to sort of mistreat these these um, children or the random police officer that like at every level um, there are systems in place to ensure that black people act a certain way.
0: Yeah, and it's also interesting because I don't think, like Donald Glover has been no know, known to, has received a lot of criticism for having a black women problem. And I think the mom in this episode, the, the kid's mom who eventually like gives him up um, is not a sympathetic character, I would say, at the beginning. And so I think that was also a interesting thing where I felt like it could be direct, Glover directly dealing with that, but like then there's a little bit of recognition by the end where the kid who has been putting his mom sort of through the ringer and constantly getting in trouble, after he escapes from this, comes back to her and seems to be more accepting of like, man my mom's life is hard and i'm i'm going to be a little bit less difficult for her
1: yeah no absolutely and the idea that you know, black parents have to be honest with their their children about you know the way society looks at them and where they're going to end up if you know if, if society feels a certain way about them and um I, th- I think that sort of recognition that happens when when they're in, in the, the the school when she's just being very frank that you're either going to end up dead or in prison yep. and the white people here are going to be laughing at you. Yeah,
0: um, and they're literally like they're literally going to kill you. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Okay, let's go. Yeah, it's just—it's just a tough scene. Yeah.
0: It is, it is, and it's a very moving episode. All right, let's go on to the second episode which I also loved. And I feel like this is, it's called Class is coming to town, set in Amsterdam. I think it, to me, this is the only episode of this season which you could easily insert into either of the previous two seasons and it would fit. This felt like the gang is all back together, where, you know, like this almost felt like what could have been the first episode of the season. I loved it, it, every, all four of the characters are together in Amsterdam. Paperboy needs to get bailed out of prison. Um, while well, Van and Darius are attending an event which may or may not be the death of Tupac. Um, and I think it, the, the whole thing with the title is that it's predicated around this day in the Netherlands, which I had never heard of, but where everyone dresses up in blackface. And there's, I think, an underlying current here that... Racism is not exclusive to America, and no matter where you are, you're going to encounter it. But um, I laughed a lot at this episode, too. It was just so creative and funny and just thoroughly enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, same. Um, one of my favorites, not my favorite, but definitely one of my favorites, the the Darius fan part of this episode is what what I keep coming back to. Yeah. Um, both their interaction just... Everywhere they get along so well, and, and sort of Darius in general. But um, this was just such an such an interesting scene where, where maybe Tupac is sort of being euthanized, for, for lack <laughs> of a better word. Um, and Van is there to sort of guide him guide him through that. It, it was just such an absurd and bizarre, and just interesting episode to watch. Really, really loved it.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Third episode, The Old Man in the Tree. I mean, this is, and even in the title, like the uh, the way Donald Glover wrote the description of this, it was just about like rich people doing rich people shit or something like that. Um, this one was incredible. Uh, I, I enjoyed it and gave me a lot to think about just because I think it explored a different dimension of fame for black people and how, no matter what you achieve, you're never quite accepted. You always like in sort of the same way with like back in the Renaissance with the Medici's who were, you know, like supporting people, you're always going to have these white people hanging around you that are trying to both exploit you and also be your benefactors. But like that relationship, it's not a relationship of equals and there's again an element of patronization and i think the character i keep coming back to from this episode is they are visiting they're going to this party at this really rich white guy's house who has a has a chicken a franchise of a chicken (laughs) um chain like a a, in his house also has a tree growing through the middle of his house Um, and there is a character who i think is living at the house who is a young black artist who Earn and Paperboy just decide is immensely not talented, but he's being funded by the rich person as some sort of, again, I think like liberal guilt, liberal atonement, but he's never going to become a good artist because he's under this shell of white people. And there's an act of performance there that I think is, it was both like the way they wrote it was comical, but it was also very painful. And I, I thought moving to watch.
1: Yeah, I. Um, this is probably my, one of the least memorable ones for me. Uh, what I really do like about it is the sort of Ern has a sort of moral confrontation, right? Like he knows he can just be honest about about what is going on, and the fact that uh, this guy is sort of. Um, scamming these rich white people, Uh, you know, he doesn't have any talent or can find a way to also get in on the action and and make himself some money. And yeah, I mean, I imagine that this is most of what Hollywood looks like. I mean, that's sort of just my interpretation of it. Yep. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, it it was fun. It's an interesting thing. But it's not one of the episodes that sort of stuck with
0: me. That's fair. Completely agree with it. Well, let's move on to the fourth episode of the season, which I am pretty sure is going to be one that stuck with you, which is called The Big Paycheck. It's a a one-off. And it just goes straight on confronting the whole idea of reparations. I am someone who completely supports the idea of reparations. Now, what I think, what I struggled with, In this episode, it is about a white character. Actually, the husband, the guy who's getting married from The Hangover, which I thought was very clever casting, but he's being confronted by the fact that he is going to have to pay reparations because of the way they construct this, that his family was a direct slave owner. What I didn't like about the construct was that, to me, the only way... And I'd love to get your thoughts on this. The only way reparations truly work is if you make all white people feel the pain, not just those who own slave owners because or who were slave owners at one point in their uh, descendants or their, uh, their, in the past. Because I think what ends up happening then is like all white people are guilty for, weight, uh, for racism whether or not they owned slaves in the past. And so I think what ended up, my reaction to this was partially like, if you did this and this was the setup, what ends up happening is then you get this, as you saw with like his wife in this episode, that it's very easy for like someone to be like, well, I'm not one of those white people and I'm not gonna, I don't have to atone for anything, which is like, I think part of the whole thing about reparations isn't just the money, it's white people acknowledging their guilt and responsibility and culpability in continuing a system in which they privileged from and benefited from that um, that has has gone on for centuries. Does that make sense, do you think, to you? Yeah, no,
1: that, that makes that makes a ton of sense. Um, I mean first I'm just gonna say like it's a show and sort of the the, me- the mechanism and the yeah. logistics are are sort of not what's super important to me. I, I think the the idea here is like what does um what does justice actually look like? Yep. But to, to answer your question, um, one of the, the things that I stuck with me about um, Tanahasi Coates's Coates' uh, Between the World and Maine is, and it's sort of a, it's not a line that's super important in the book, but he kind of suggests that like, what progress will look like is people who are white sort of stepping back away from yes. the the tribe of white and going back to their actual tribal roots which may be being german or polish or italian or jewish and you see that in this episode where everyone is no longer white they're (laughs) austro-hungarian or they're peruvian um and and so i actually kind of like that aspect of it interesting but again like like the, the logistics aren't what's important. I, I think the the final scene of this episode is, is sort of what gets me right. Like that there is this sort of you know, white person running food in a restaurant that is is predominantly patronized by by black people. Yep. And, and that is something that, you know, at least in New Orleans like I don't see that often. No. Um, and and so You know is that what justice actually looks like it's sort of this flipping of 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 roles um by race and um i I, I think that that is the the sort of larger and more interesting question of that episode
0: that's completely fair and I i think what's really interesting is he really feels it the white character like is giving up a ton of his money um and it's being docked out of his paycheck on a like paycheck by paycheck basis and like But he's okay with it by the end and has come to recognize that like he needs to do this and so like it's weird to say but it's also like one of the most hopeful episodes of atlanta i've ever seen so
1: yeah but there is still in that right like the there's this offhand remark where he goes well at least my tips won't be garnished
0: yes yeah yeah that's true
1: in the service industry you're not making any money off the 250 that that you're getting an hour you're making it off of um off of your tips. And so, again, it goes back to, like, these ideas of structural racism <laughs> yeah. that, like, continue to, to help, in, you know, ensure some sort of inequity um, persists.
0: Yeah, that, that's a great point. That is an absolutely great point. And who knows? Maybe he hasn't internalized it by the end. I think he, he is an example of the insidious form of white privilege, where you don't, where white people like myself don't realize how privileged we are. Um, so and. Yeah, he, he can only imagine doing the reparations once he sees that the woman who is coming to his house asking for them to and to take his house actually is like a full human being with a family that she's caring for and things like that. Up until that, he's just like, get away from me. Um, all right, just in the interest of time here, let's move on to the fifth and sixth episode. I think we can go through these relatively quickly. I think these were two of my least favorite. Um, five is called Cancer Attack. Um, I found this to be, I think, the worst episode of the year. I didn't really know what it was trying to say. I think it's about the way everyone sort of wants to glom on to uh, black performers who achieve a certain amount of fame, and we are centered around Paperboy, but I just found it meandering and really not all that interesting.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. I like the scene between Paperboy and the guy who stole his phone. Yes. I think that's a really interesting scene. Yes. Um, but the, the rest of the episode is, yeah, just whatever.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then White Fashion, the sixth episode. I found this, again, very muddled. It's, I think, again, dealing with white appropriation and how black people are corrupted and taken in by white people. Um, but then also dealt, I think, with black people who are willingly allow themselves to be exploited. I think this was like a direct hit on someone like DeRay McKesson. Um, And so I think there were some really interesting lines and revelations in this. But again, felt a bit like the show was just treading water.
1: Yeah, this was actually my least favorite. Um, Only in that it just seemed like it was easy compared to other episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, not everyone's an ally. Like, yep, got it. Okay, let's move on
0: yeah and i heard some criticism about this episode that it would have felt very it would have landed very different if we had seen this when it was probably originally written in 2019 or 2020 but now it feels like the conversation has changed a bit and we've sort of talked about this so many times already and it's been out there in culture that it's not as relevant
1: yeah okay yeah that makes sense
0: all right this the number seven i'm excited to get into because i thought it was one of my favorites even though I know it was not liked by uh, everyone who watches the show, um, I love this because it centers around a white family who has a Trinidadian—I think that's the way we would say it—housekeeper um, um, and person and um, nanny raising their kid, and the kid is definitely be like they sp- she's, he spends far more time with the nanny than his own parents, and therefore is, um, you know. <laughs> to taking on um, traits of her culture, much more so than his own. And sort of the, the white parents are oblivious to that um, until she dies. And I think what was most powerful to me about this wasn't even the funeral scenes when they go to her funeral. Although I think the part about her the, the woman's um, kids being so upset about the fact that They lost time with their own mom because she was giving so much time to raise other white kids was very, very powerful. But I think the way the white family talks about her after she dies in such a disposable manner and talks about replacing her, getting rid of her things, and things like that, I was like, exactly. Like, so often in these kinds of cases, like, white people view people of color as disposable, and how, like, just people who are helping them get through their lives rather than thinking about them and treating them as actual people and like much more as a means to an end than as individuals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of similar and shared thoughts there, um, especially around their, the kids sort of venting their their frustrations um, and, and, you know, larger concepts around what, what do parents have to give up to, to raise their, their kids here. Um, the the thing that came back to me um or the thing that came to me and that continues to come up in in, in this again is like this idea around black behavior being unacceptable Uh and so in the funeral scene where um where people are visibly upset and screaming at one another and and then the, the white people get scared right and they're they're like making they're beelining for the door and then um you know, they they have the actual question of like, are you leaving because of the way we're acting? And and you know, they're they're sort of like, oh uh, no. And it's like, are you scared? Um, and they're like, yes. You know, finally sort of admitting that. But um, but again, that like sort of even in times of like black grief, that like black people have to accommodate yes. white people and their sensibilities. Yep. It's something that just is so jarring in this episode. And it is, I think the most grounded episode of all of the American episodes and still like, it is the most realistic. It's just a funeral, but it, it, really hits home. It's, um, it's a powerful episode.
0: I completely agree. Completely agree. It's a very strong, strong one. And I think probably my favorite out of all the episodic ones. Um, okay. Eight, I think unabashedly my favorite of the year called new jazz. Um, We follow Paperboy on a drug-infused meandering through Amsterdam as he tries to figure out who really cares about him and who is just using him. I don't usually like the whole, like, oh, I'm going to open up myself with drugs and then going to, like, find out some new truths. This was done so well and in such a subtle way where you didn't feel like it was, like, he's tripping the whole time. Um, And we need to talk about the fact that I think it has the most stunning cameo I've ever seen. You texted me when you watch it and and we're just like, you need to watch this, what did you think? And that is exactly how I felt with Liam Neeson coming in and just being like, I, for those of who don't know, he, has, he said he was, after a friend of his who was raped, uh, a white woman, he was gonna go out and just beat up, I think one black man or maybe multiple black men. Um, he didn't realize why that was insanely racist, but then he comes on the show and is just a racist and is is talking about, you know, how he was nearly canceled by black people. And so he still sort of hates them for that. So what did you think?
1: It it is hands down the the best episode of Atlanta, of this season, of this year, likely. And I I think the best, maybe the single best episode of TV I've ever come across. It, um, it... Drug episodes are always hit or miss, right? Like yep. sometimes they're good, they're usually really bad. This one just took it to a whole nother level. Um, it doesn't seem like he's tripping or he's drunk. There's no weird visualization. Nope. It actually comes across as super, um, you know, maybe a little absurd, but like pretty pretty even and, and normal and just going through um, just some, some wild commentary and content. Um, and yeah, the, the end with, um, with Neeson is, uh, I, I still don't know what to make of it even now. And, and I've watched the episode a couple of times. Um, you know, I, I think the, the, he gives a pretty heartfelt apology and, and is pretty open and honest about, about, you know, this uncomfortable truth from his past, uh, that landed him in the you know canceled club that that he's in in this um, in this show, and then is also at the same time like admittedly not changing and, and still doesn't like black people. Yeah, and it, it's hard to separate what is true and what is what isn't in this. Like, does he still like legitimately not like black? Yeah, people? and like like he can't because he's on Atlanta and casted to do this. Um, but, you know, he ends with that perfect line of just like the best, the best and worst part about being black is that you don't have to learn anything if you don't want or the, about being, being white, white is yeah. that you don't have to learn anything if you don't want. To.
0: It's which is amazing. Um, it's very true. It, 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 it I've never I like that is the perfect definition of whiteness. And I've never heard that before, but it's exactly true. So powerful.
1: Yeah, no, it, it is. Um. I, this is the episode that I, I think, again, just elevates this past TV and is something that is much, much more important than just TV, and everyone should should watch this episode. You can watch it without really having any understanding of the rest of Atlanta. You can just watch it.
0: Yeah, I I agree. But we go from that, and there I want to talk to you too when we get to the end of this about Glover's seeming obsession with cancel culture because it is a thread throughout this whole season. But we go from that high to episodes 9 and 10, which I think are some of the least strong episodes of the season. Nine is um, about essentially um, a, about a, a young black teenager who's passing for white, has a white girlfriend, um, and all of a sudden somebody, <laughs> a benefactor comes to school who is black and says he's going to pay for the tuition of all the black students to go to college, which is something that's happened in real life. Um, and so then he, the. A student who is passing as um, white suddenly tries to get this, because otherwise he's not going to be able to go to college, and so he has to prove how black he is. I felt the show had some strong, interesting elements. It was definitely gripping TV, including (laughs) the scene where there's a flamethrower and he's about to uh, bust up the school. I just didn't think it was very cohesive and come together. And I wasn't completely sure by the end what he was even trying to say.
1: Yeah. uh, So this was an episode that um, hit pretty hard for me. Just so, um, I mean, for, for backgrounds, for, for your audience, uh, I'm a person of of, I'm mixed race. Um, My father is black. Uh, I certainly struggle with sort of what is my place in society, both in, 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 terms of uh, my mom's side and, and with uh, my dad's side as well. And so these ideas around like, what does it mean to be black are certainly questions I I've, I've thought a lot about. And um, I, again, you know, I'll point back to the sort of reparations episode where uh, I'm less concerned with the overall structure and the logistics of the episode and more concerned with just the, the overarching question um that, that is sort of being brought up by the episode that I haven't seen on TV, right? And yeah. um, it's ambitious. I I I really I really like this episode. Um, and uh, I think the the sort of role reversal of, you know, it's usually white males that are, are sort of threatening schools and, and and this role reversal for it to be sort of a black male or, or black male who's passing is white is, is kind of an interesting layered dimension to, to the idea of school violence. Um, and, and the, you know, the, the how the person um, at the end gets his scholarship or, around being shot by the police is, is the most black thing you can, you can do. Yeah. Um, it's just such yeah. a, it's such a line. Um, it's true. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a great episode.
0: Okay, that's fair. I, it may be something where the more I, th- I, mean, I have I have thought about this episode as much as episode eight um, since then. Um, so it may be something that grows in me over time, and maybe I need to rewatch it. But uh, let's finish up here, and then we can take our like go over some of our bigger takeaways from the season. But episode ten follows Van, who we have not seen in quite a long time, as she essentially tries to become a mix of Amelie and John Wick. Um, There is an amazing Alexander Skarsgård cameo where he is playing himself and Van and him are engaged in some sort of drug and um, sex-infused foreplay. I don't even know what you would call it. Um, I found it enjoyable to watch. I have no idea what to make of it. I don't understand how it fits into the larger uh, narrative arc of the show. I also just think it was a very weird way to end the season where we go, what, two, the final two episodes without seeing Urn um, or Paperboy or Darius, I believe, I guess, as far as I can remember. And I I don't know what the, I, I there's a very touching scene at the end of this where Van is explaining how she like feels like she's failed as a mom and doesn't know who she is. And everyone else in her life seems to know who, she, who they are. But it just, it was such a weird way, and I'm, I've really had trouble being like, why did, what are we trying, what are we supposed to take away that this is the end of the season?
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm with you on a lot of that. Um, I have some sort of half-baked ideas around, um, around Van, and the fact that she gets, um, center stage on on the, on the finale, you know, to me suggests the season's actually about her rather than, Hmm. um, rather than anyone else. And so it sort of changes how I've seen her in in some other scenes with, because she's really just in a couple of scenes in in the entire season. Um, and so it's really kind of, uh, brought a focus on each one of those scenes for me and, and what that might mean. Um, it is. It's just a wild, weird, absurd scene. Difficult to watch at times. Um, I don't know what to do with it. At the end of the day, like I, I think, like you, I'm, I'm hoping season four may bring some some closure and some meaning to this um, this episode. But it is, um, it doesn't fit perfectly
0: right now. Yeah, is what I would say. Although they do get to eat human hands, so there's always that. All right, so I, I think, like sort of big takeaways. What do you make of some of the cameos in this season? Because there are so many, they're almost all white people, although in that episode nine, there's one, I didn't know who this guy was, but the guy who's giving away the money to the students is a famous online black provocateur who actually recently died, but his whole thing was just like criticizing black women, which isn't what his role is on the show. So I, and I would never have known that. I'm not someone who follows that type of like internet conversation, but I, I've read about it afterwards, and I, I don't understand why what he why he was cast in this role. Um, my favorite, obviously, was Liam Neeson, but like I believe um, Tom Hanks's kid is in the is in the episode seven um, at the funeral. I, I don't know, like the Alexander Skarsgard is where I sort of lost the thread because it was funny and enjoyable, but I have no idea what we were trying to get of it. I don't, I just felt like sometimes aside from the Liam Neeson one that it was Donald Glover flexing his muscles and being like, see who I can get in this show. I don't know. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, so I didn't catch, uh, some of these cameos that you're talking about. The the obvious two for me, um, were Skarsgård and Neeson. Um, And so I actually probably need to go back because I kind of didn't catch all of that. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, part of it is, uh, the Neeson one, how he got that to happen, like how Neeson agreed to do this again to me, like this whole idea, that whole cameo is just so mind bending and weird. it, it, it's just, it, I continue to not really comprehend what's going on there. Skarsgård um, s- seems fun. I mean, it, it was just, you know, it was just a good sort of role. I I, I don't know. I, I'm not, not sort of digging too deep into that. Yeah. Not, I don't know about th- these other ones, honestly. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure I have a ton, ton here.
0: I think the only thing is I will never get over the Liam Neeson one because the thing that so just stays with me is like, what does he actually believe? Like, is this, like, yeah. it's just crazy, yeah. it's just crazy to see someone be up there and just be like, yeah, I was wrong for being racist, but I'm still racist. Like, I just think it's the most provocative cameo I've ever seen. So I, I, it, it's something that, you, it, once you watch it, I, I would be shocked if you are not left in this same state of just like constantly thinking about it. Um, so I think yeah, that- it just yeah, go ahead.
1: No, yeah, it just bends reality yep. with fiction in a way that um I mean other people have done with with cameo stuff but not like this. It's no. just another it's it's really really interesting.
0: Cuz if he's actually saying the truth, then he should actually be canceled. And I don't I think I think there's the the final thing I wanted to talk about was like there seems like Donald Glover has like outright hostility to his audience. I, I don't know if you read the show descriptions, but like he's like there are things where he's just, like, clearly, like, I've read... They're very clearly referencing, like, the online criticisms of this show from previous seasons. And it's sort of, like, they're all in sentences where they're just sort of, like, fuck you. Um, and I think he's also, like... I feel this season was very much trying to get the white, like, literary set that loves the show, their critical set, to, like, be, like, this show is trying to make you feel as uncomfortable as you should about your privilege. And it's not, ju- you don't just get to watch this show and then say you're like, uh, you know, a smart, educated white person who, you know, is on the right side of issues, right? Like this is like, no, you're culpable with this too, because for the most part, the white people in these, in this season aren't outright racist, right? They're the more subtle variety where we like tell ourselves that we're not racist, even though we all are.
1: Yeah, um, to me, the, the thing here is like it, it feels where a lot of um, directors or, or writers either kind of spoon-feed their audience mm-hmm. or make things like super complex and like expect you to be smart and figure it out. I think like Glover just starts from the position of for the audience, you're guilty and yeah. this is why. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, which is... True. Yeah, true, it's hostile. um, And yeah, if you're watching it, I mean, I I think part of it is just a recognition that you wanna be confronted with things that are, are real and uncomfortable.
0: But at the same time, I think what's so interesting to me is this then obsession with cancel culture. He clearly doesn't think anyone should be canceled and that it's like a scourge on us, like literally, paperboy goes to a club during his drug-induced reverie called the Cancel Club, where he has this interaction with Liam Neeson. And I just, it's like, if you actually look at it, no one, very few people have actually been canceled. Like the people who've been canceled are like Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby and even like R. Kelly's people. Like I still hear R. Kelly music sometimes. Like there, it is damn near impossible to actually be canceled and so this worry that I feel like he seems to Glover seems to share with like Dave Chappelle and like other people is is baffling to me because I don't think there are the restrictions being put on art otherwise this whole series wouldn't be on TV and you are able to directly confront it because people don't really get canceled in some regard and like I just think I I constantly am baffled by why people spend so much time worrying about people being canceled when it really doesn't happen all that frequently unless you're such an egregious actor that everyone can agree like someone like harvey weinstein should never be allowed in public ever again
1: yeah i i agree with all that um i I do wonder if it's just pushback from like studios and Mm. people who tell him to censor himself for not to say certain things in, in certain ways. Like, I don't know how, I, like, I, I really applaud FX for yes. for putting out a show like this yep. um, because, you know, FX of, you know, five, maybe, what, six years ago was was playing Sons of Anarchy, mm-hmm. The Shield, and just, like, just bullshit and, and now is playing, like, really thought-provoking TV in, in, I imagine it's difficult for him to constantly be hearing from critics or hearing from studio execs not to do something.
0: That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Well, let's just end on this note then. What do you think comes next? Because I will be honest, like sometimes like with a show like Better Call Saul or your favorite Ozarks, um, you sort of see where it's going. I have no idea what this show, I, like there's a part of me that's like, are we even going to see the four characters in the final season? Cause there's only one season left and I, I truly have no idea after this one. Like, is it all just going to be these individual one-off stories or yeah, do we get something more?
1: So just real quickly, before we totally dive into this, did you see the, the final credit scene in, in episode 10?
0: No, I guess I missed it. I must have turned it off.
1: Yeah, so I, I think it's worth watching. So, um, so definitely go check that out um, because it, it sort of brings in um, brings in the reparations episode back in, and, and I think maybe starts to lay the the groundwork for what um, season four. Uh, well, probably. I mean, it has to be um, doing that as well. Um, I. I, um, I mean, you, you sort of alluded to this with with Ern's name, right? That um, that Ern is both like you know his nickname, but obviously has other sort of deeper meanings around. Um, he's sort of a vessel for for carrying you know memories of the past. I have an I like my idea is that that van is is likely has died like huh. I, I think that that is or that this sort of relationship or, or idea between urn and van um the, the possibility there has died but I, but I think likely she has died and I, I think that that's possibly where season four is going but I, I'm probably also like really off well
0: that's fascinating um I th- I think the most interesting thing for me is like we've by doing Paperboy reaching his level of ascendancy that he did in this season his rap career doesn't have a whole lot where else to go other than like just going downhill but I I really like the fact that the whole season wasn't just like watching him be famous and cameos of like other famous rappers and him interacting with famous people I think it did a much smarter job of navigating sort of what it means to be black and famous Um, and how you still are never on completely solid ground and people are still going to try to take advantage of you. Um, So I think there's still room then for his career to be a part of it. Um, I just would, you know, just really want to see more Darius though going forward because he's still my favorite character. So hopefully we'll get a little bit more of him in season four. But um, anything else you want to say before we wrap up? No,
1: I, I really like that take. And, um, I think you you can juxtapose that with Dave, right? And the idea of like Dave is all of his cameos are centered around him hanging out with those people. And and yeah, Paperboy doesn't actually hang out with any of these cameos, um, except, uh, except Neeson. Um, so yeah, that's, I, I think a great take. Love it.
0: Awesome. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining once again. Um, I, really enjoyed this conversation i think i got a lot out of it you've deepened my appreciation of the show um and yeah i would I, obviously we are both heartily encouraging everyone to watch this because even the misses of this show are still more thought-provoking than um the best episodes of almost anything else on tv
1: yeah th- thanks for having me and uh looking forward to coming back
0: oh absolutely uh all right well this is another episode of the insatiable content podcast i'm your host and rossmeyer and looking forward to you joining us next time thanks eric yeah